Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life and Sport Podcast, and we're joined by another Mariners former player. We've had quite a few of them on in the last week and a bit, um, but, you know, we grind, we grind, and we keep going. This bloke has played for the Mariners, Sydney FC, and quite a few teams over in um, in other nations as well. His name is Zach Anderson. Thanks for joining me, and how's your day going? Yeah, thanks, mate. Not another Mariner. I know that you uh, <laughs> you had Danny McBrain on the other day, and uh, I did? I'm surprised that you- I'm surprised that you kept the interview under 30 minutes, mate. The guy, <laughs> uh, the guy loved to chat. It was a good chat, yeah. So, I mean, I'm surprised I kept it under 30 minutes as well. We also had no. Phil Moss, Laurie McKinnon, and a few others. But, you know, got to get through it because I'm, I'm loving the Mariners theme. And before we get started with the interview, obviously I'd be remiss if I didn't take my chance to ask, what are your thoughts on the Mariners' finals chances this season? They finished second, you know, do you reckon yeah. they're a dark horse or do you reckon they can actually go all the way? Mate, I was down at uh, Central Coast Mariners last week. I, I've been meaning to get down and, and catch up with uh, Nick Montgomery and the guys since Nick took over uh, about a year and a half ago now. And um, I've been in touch with Nick during the season. And I think uh, Mariners done, have done well over the years. And you've been a, you know, a fan, like you were mentioning, off air since 05, 06. But, you know, Mariners have done so well because we have over our time, you know, push this um, little club, big heart kind of motto, yeah. um, you know, bit of an underdog tag. And we've kind of, like you've mentioned before, we've, we've, we've grinded over the years to get results. And I think that uh, what Monty has been able to do over the last 18 months is, is incredible. Um, mm-hmm. As really a, a first-time head coach, but obviously coming from a huge amount of experience, um, I think it's remiss to say that, you know, he, his playing career, um, you know, coming from you know the championship, playing uh, in the English Premier League, and then obviously doing what he did as a player in Australia, moving into the academy system. I think it's it's important to actually um, look at his progress as a youth yeah. coach, and uh, a lot of Australian junior coaches that are coming coming through the ranks, um, trying to get that opportunity um, to become a professional coach. Um, you know, some maybe trying to find the shortcut shortcuts but Monty really didn't he he took his time he got to understand the club um, and and a lot of the plays that you're seeing develop into that first team now uh, are plays that he coached in in the youth academy so I don't think that Mariners can no longer be called dark horse Um, you you know you saw their performance on Friday night against Adelaide they were were just they blew them off the park dominant mate they they were beyond fantastic um especially at Highmarsh, which is arguably one of the toughest stadiums to play in Australia. So I think they've got a big chance. It'll be interesting to see if they play in the semi-final, but home semi and get them in the grand final and it's 90 minutes away from another championship. Oh, 100%. And obviously, um, they've. with that being said, they've also qualified for the AFC Cup, um, a totally different ballpark because it's over in Asia mainly and yeah. totally different squads over there as well. They've got de- deeper squads over in, in those nations. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on the Mariners' chances of the AFC Cup? I love AFC, um, mainly because it was my chance as a player to play. Um, mm-hmm. being, a, being a squad player... A lot of those players that don't get to play regular minutes in the A-League get their opportunity in Asia. Yep. Monty will, will will definitely blood more of those youngsters and give them the opportunity to play in Asia. And it's just another great experience to be able to prove yourself. I think that, um, again, Monty's Monty needs to be um, congratulated not only for his ability to progress youth players, but technically he's shown throughout the year that he can play against any team in Australia. And I get, I, you know, I, I, he also gets the opportunity to test himself in Asia. So... Uh, Asia is a, 
is a is, is really important competition for Australian teams. And um, you know, since the Wanderers did well, um, what was it back in two thousand was it thirteen, fourteen around? That I think time? it was. Yeah. Um, yep. We really, we really haven't progressed um, in Asia at club level. So it'd be great to see Australian teams do well again in Asia and you know, hopefully the Mariners can do well next year. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, thank you for your input on those topics. It was really interesting to hear from your side of things. But let's get started with the interview in particular. Uh, you're from originally from Air in Queensland, which is far north Queensland to anyone who may or may not know. Um, so first of all, my question is, How'd you come about playing football all the way up in air, which is easily a rugby league type dominated area of, of Australia? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I, I was born in air mainly because um, my parents were doing their um, their country service. They, they were both school teachers. Okay. And yep. So I was very fortunate that uh, I was born up in North Queensland, you know, sporting country town. Um, don't remember too much of it because I was obviously very young, but yep. parents moved down to the central, the Sunshine Coast. Um, okay. Dad, dad was a rugby league man, as you as you were mentioning, but um, I think mum's influence of, of, of playing, you know, pushing me to play a little less contact sport um, got the upper hand. And I just, um, I just loved playing everything as a kid, I guess. Um, yep. You know, played a little bit of rugby league, a little bit of soccer, a little bit of tennis, um, like most kids do. Um, but yeah, just as I progressed a bit through more my teenage, towards football. Yeah, as, as I got through my teenage years, I think that as your confidence grows as, um, as a teenager, you kind of move towards more of the, the sports or activities that you, I guess, you are excelling in. Um, I, was ne- I was never really an academic, but I just loved to play sport super active kid and I think that um, soccer was just something that kind of just worked um, yeah. through my teenage years and, and I grew in confidence as my my body developed and I guess um, once I got to the ages where things started to get serious um, I, I started to get picked for for rep- representative side so yeah. that kind of made the decision easy to kind of stick with it. Yeah well I mean not only that you ended up going to the Queensland Academy of Sport which yeah. is a, a big thing obviously before going through the Gold Coast United um, you know, junior ranks. What was it like getting picked up by the QAS? Yeah, no, it's it's a topic of discussion at the moment that's quite prevalent in in Queensland because the QAS from men's has was scrapped quite a few years ago. But I think that it was incredibly important for my own development, um, mainly because of the level of coaching and the and the and the level of players that I was surrounded by each day. I had to go to boarding school at uh, about 15 years old because of the fact that QS is based in Brisbane. So yeah. that really was the first, I guess, uh, step for me to develop from a boy to a man and, and really step up um, on my pursuit to play professional football. And yeah. so that to be involved in that environment, to be surrounded by fantastic players every day, um, players that, you know, my QS Academy year, 90% of the boys went to the RAS, um, and then they progressed to be professional footballers, guys like, you know, James Brown, Taj Minikon, Osaka Cernak, um, you know, fantastic players that I got to play with every day, plus then the progression of coaches. So yeah. um, that was really the, the reason and the opportunity for me to become a professional was that my coach at the time was Mike Mulvey. And um, uh, during that time, Gold Coast was being form- formulated and, and Mike became youth coach at Gold Coast. So, it's funny. It's kind of, so it was, kind of it was a much easier transition for you to go from QAS to Gold Coast United then. Well, it's an interesting story because, you know, I speak to a lot of parents now being a retired athlete and it's difficult in Queensland because we've only got the one professional team and it can be hard for, for, for players to really see the pathways. But 
for us at the time, you know, Daniel McBreen spoke previously about um, North Queensland Fury. At the time, yep. we know we kind of had three teams that we could potentially get to. Um, and, uh, and I had uh, opportunities to go and train with Brisbane Raw, but at the time, um, I think the coaches, Rado Vitasic at the time, didn't want to pick me. Um, and that was, um, you know, just a great learning experience that um, it's not necessarily uh, about every coach in sport liking you or, or thinking that you can have an opportunity to play. You really just need one coach to give you a chance or an opportunity um, and then it's up to you to take it. So I was very fortunate that Mike Mulby backed me and, and saw something in me yep. and took me down the Gold Coast um, post QAS. And um, yeah, I just really enjoyed my time. I was very fortunate that Miron very early allowed me to chain with the first team. And that really gave me that, I guess, that um, little bit more senior experience to be around fantastic professionals day in, day out to really build upon my own experience playing the youth team on a weekend. Yeah. to then develop to, to, to be a, a first-team player. Yeah, of course. And then, obviously, um, the Gold Coast United unfortunately folded, as did North Queensland Fury, um, which was, in yeah. my opinion, a, 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 unfortunately, you could see the writing on the wall when it happened, but it was, just, as, in, as an outsider looking in, but it was just, it was awful because I'm a Queenslander myself, born in Queensland, and it, it's great to see yeah. whenever a national league, whether it's rugby league, AFL, whatever sport it is, gets there's another team, you know, joining the national sport, you know, the professional levels. So it was it was a bit disheartening to see that happen. Um, so my question to you about that is, how did you handle that and the adversity that comes with it? Yeah, it was it was such an interesting time. There's, there was there's pros and cons for the experience. So. Yeah. You know, obviously the, the the cons were that the club folded, um, and you know the license was revoked after three years. Um, the pro was that a lot of uh, us as youth players got opportunities to play first grade, and I would never have been picked up by Central yeah. Coast Mariners, and you know, had the opportunity to play in the Australian under twenty threes, where where Graham Arnold saw me play. Um, if uh, I guess those more senior players had to have left um, because they knew the club was folding, so. It was extremely unfortunate because I just wanted to keep playing football. Uh, I wanted to keep playing uh, uh, at, the, at the highest level that I could. Uh, I wanted to be surrounded by great pros like Christian Reese and Michael Thwaite. Um, but unfortunately, um, you know, the license was revoked and um, we knew that that time was coming to an end. And, and Mike Mulvey ended up taking over as head coach just for the, the last remaining games. And I remember him coming into the change room and just saying, you know, you guys have got eight, nine, ten games left, just just go out there, you know, just go and, and, and put your best foot forward and, and you know, show potential suitors out there that you deserve to be in the A-League. So um, I was very fortunate just to play senior games and yeah. uh, I got picked up by the, I got, I got, I got selected for the Australian on the 23 side to play in a, a bit of a dead rubber. Yeah. Um, but again, these games are important because I Absolutely. got to play down, down a blue tongue that was caught at the time uh, yep. in front of Graham Arnold. Um, and uh, he was the Mariners coach at the time. And I got a call two weeks later to say, hey, would you be interested in coming down to the Central Coast? Which was, uh, you know, just a huge moment for myself, but also a little bit of a sad one because a, a number of fantastic players in, in that Gold Coast um, senior side that had progressed with me through the youth ranks, you know, were left without contracts. So yeah. 
extremely, extremely blessed and, and grateful for the opportunity, but also, you know, sad to see so much talent get wasted on the, on the, on the Gold Coast. Yeah, so it was a bit bittersweet. The sweet being you were able to progress your career, but the bitter yeah. bit being, you know, you, you're, the people you grew up with through the academy, unfortunately, didn't. And, I mean, as you said, it gave you a great opportunity to progress your career down at the Central Coast. And what was it like moving down from, obviously, the Gold Coast to the Central Coast, the culture differences, the fans, all, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I guess the the way to explain the move down to the Central Coast was really my progression from being a boy to, to becoming a man. Yeah. Um, really for the first time being involved with a professional football club. Gold Coast was a professional football club, but it really it was really functioning as a professional football club for maybe six to 12 months in that very yep. first year um, with Jason Chalina and, and Michael Thwaite and, and, and Shane Smeltz, all the pros at Gold Coast before they all left. Um, and, and then obviously for those last two years, we were just really just hanging on. But yep. my, my, my transfer down to Central Coast Mariners, um, you know, rocking up first day, um, you know, meeting the likes of, of, of John Hutchinson. I was actually replacing Alex Wilkinson, which is crazy <laughs> yeah, to think now. He went to still Sydney playing. that year. He's still <laughs> yeah, playing. Yeah, he's, he's still playing now and I retired two years ago. So hats off to Wilco. Um, but anyway, and, and huge and huge shoes to fill. But um, I just remember rocking up first day and uh, they were actually continuing to train. Arnie signed me and said, hey, I'm giving the boys four weeks off. I'm going to continue. We're going to continue training for two weeks come down, train with us for a week, then you'll you'll have your four weeks off and you come back for pre-season. And uh, I'd gone down for that week to train and it was the hardest week of my life. And, th- and this, yeah, is, wow. this was coming off a full season of, of, of playing games, which really, usually you should be fighting fit. But I remember just finishing that week and being absolutely exhausted and, wow. and realising the, the level and the standard that Arnie um, wanted from his players day in, day out. So I, uh, I went away... Um, had a had a good off season and uh, and came back for preseason um, and uh, yeah that was just a, a an incredible season that we had um, my first year at Mariners. Absolutely, and obviously from that point on there was a, a lot of good times at the Mariners while you were there for a bit, and then you jetted off. Well, not really off or jetted really because it wasn't too far away. Just down the M1 to Sydney FC after a bit yeah. of time at the Mariners. Again, what was the light, the changes, and was there any differences or subtleties that, you know, comparing Sydney to the Mariners sort of thing? Yeah, so the move to Sydney was quite interesting because I'd played three seasons at the Mariners. I was, yep. I'd played, you know, a number of games, um, was feeling quite confident as an established centre-back at the time, played most of the Asian Champions League games, and I was actually pretty close to a move over to Europe, um, over to Scandinavia. But it, for whatever reason, it just hadn't come off. And um, I was pretty disheartened at the time. I was quite frustrated. I was putting a lot of eggs in that basket to try and get that move to Europe. Um, and at this time, a lot of the, the I guess, the more established centre-backs were going to Asia, um, kind of, you know, pushed forward by Sasha Ogunoskis and these guys who really trailblazed that move for centre-backs. But I really had a, a goal and ambition at 22, 23 to try and get that move to Europe. Um, and seeing, you know, good mates. Which is like a good Trent ambition Sainsbury. to have. Yeah, I was playing and training with Trent Sainsbury and the guys who were, who were making these moves. And, you know, that was, at the time, that was the move I wanted to make, working with my agent, Vinny Grella, at the time. But for whatever reason, it didn't come off. And uh, I remember being off contract in that in that window, that, that winter window, June, July, and um, just giving, got a call from Graham Arnold again. And he just said, I realise that you're off contract. Um you know, why don't you come to Sydney for the year? We've got Champions League football again. Um, I've known Arnie, obviously spent years with obviously. him before he went to Japan. Of course. He I mean, went to Japan. Yeah, he went to, he, he went away, he went to Japan, 
uh, and had come back to Sydney and Sydney, Sydney FC, right? It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to turn down. So an easy decision in the end to, to take the 12 months there. And that really, I guess, was a, a great opportunity just to, to keep ticking over. And then uh, I got the move uh, to the Middle East the year after. I was going to say, yeah, and obviously that was literally my next topic of, you know, the Middle East and playing in Asia in general. What was that like? And how did the the style of football differ or compare, you know, to the Australian football? Yeah, very, very different. Um, I know you've uh, you've spoken to other guests on the show about um, about different leagues around the world. You know, the Middle East was a fantastic move. You know, once I came to that realization that Europe, you know, not having a not having a European passport, not playing for the Socceroos, and and, and you know, that that I guess that uh, trajectory to Europe was a really difficult one for myself. Um, just coming to the realization that Asia was the next next best step for mm-hmm. my career. Um, I, I got an opportunity to go to the Middle East and. Um, yeah, just a, a great opportunity at 24, 24 years old uh, to head overseas by myself. Huge learning experience. First time you know, playing and living overseas by myself. Um, you know, again, being a, in and amongst a, a really you know, quite expensive change room, um, yeah. you know, dealing with the, the, the cultural differences, um, the, you know, the religious differences, um, time zone differences to home. So, you know, not only as a, as a football experience, but really as a... a an opportunity to grow as a as a person and i really enjoyed the football it was um ex- extremely difficult i landed in the middle of ramadan so you know nothing was open during the day yeah um you know i had to eat only at night time i was living about an hour and a half outside dubai um you know driving on, on the other side of the road so all these little nuances that you kind of don't really appreciate when you bubble yep. wrap playing for the a-league um but the football was fantastic. You know, the, we had all the facilities in the world. Um, we got everything given to us as a player. Um, played with some fantastic players and, and met some fantastic people who had come from all parts of the world. So that experience in in the UAE, and I'm still I, I still today go back every week, uh, one week a year, just to catch up with friends because I made some 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 fantastic contacts out of uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi. So um, the Middle East was a fantastic experience and. Yeah, I've, I've spoken to, to many players about the opportunity to get over there because it's a fantastic, really technical league. Yeah, nice. So was your one week last year during the World Cup down over in Qatar? Uh, unfortunately, it, was, it wasn't. I was, um, I, was, I was trying to get over. I know yeah. I was trying to get over and I was speaking to a lot of friends. I actually had a lot of friends who were just flying over the day because of the cost of yeah. accommodation in, in Qatar. Yeah. Um, a lot of friends were actually just heading, heading over, flying in, flying out, but... Um, but now I was uh, I was back in Australia with uh, with the Australian public, mate, down down watching on the big screens. That's fair enough, and I mean, props to the Socceroos for getting to the state, the group of sixteen. It was an amazing feat by them, and obviously, as you said, not not all of your um, footballing dreams came to fruition, for lack of a better term, such as you know going to Europe and whatnot, which it is a very hard thing to do, especially without a European passport, etc. But Asia is definitely the next best thing. Which club that you played at that wasn't in Australia, whether it was Europe or not Europe, sorry, um, you know, Asia, Malaysia, etc., was the you could say the 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 toughest to break into the first team squad, as in like just the the quality of of, of football sort of thing. My experience in Dubai was definitely the the most difficult, but the the, the difference over there is, you know, coming from when, when you're playing in Australia, obviously. You know, you're, you're competing against the foreigners, and you know, 
you know, just for an example, at Mariners, I was competing against Trent Sainsbury and Patrick Swanswijk for, yeah. for the position of centre-back, right? But once you go overseas, you are um, you are the, the foreign player. So you yeah. are expected to be that superhero every week. So that takes some time to to adjust to. And, and But you, I had to realise very quickly that um, they were paying me and relying on me to to outperform you know everyone else and be that be that superhero every week and they expect you to score goals stop goals you know do, you know be that superhero um and um that's quite a difficult thing at the very beginning to get used to but um you have to adjust very quickly because they are incredibly ruthless um overseas especially in asia and especially in the regions that i played that if you if you didn't perform or you you weren't uh, you didn't have that ability that ability to compete um, far superior than everyone else, then you were out the door very quickly. So yeah. um, I, uh, I I appreciated very quickly just through pretty basic EQ that I had to perform and had to step up. Um, and uh, yeah, I ended up spending about what six years overseas. Um, and then you know my 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 next move to Malaysia was probably my, probably the funnest you know period of my football career, mainly because of the fact that. Um, you know, I, I spent a little bit of time there to be able to establish myself, um, get to know the clubs, get to, you know, really immerse myself into the culture because, um, you know, I was only in Dubai for 12 months. So it was a pretty quick and in and out kind of, uh, you know, journey, I guess. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, compared to, as you said, Daniel McBrain or some other uh, sporting athletes, you did retire relatively-ish young. Uh, what was the yep. deciding factor behind that? Was it injuries was it maybe you fell out of love with the sport yeah so tell us about your decision to retire so um during my football career i always knew that i wasn't going to play into my 30s um okay. i always had a love of business and um i actually had a really interesting phone call with a ex-professional footballer now who's living and got a, an incredible unicorn business um called Allbirds. his name's tim brown and uh, I had a quick conversation with him one day when I just finished a gym session in Singapore, and I was explaining to him that, um, you know, I hadn't finished my law degree. Um, you know, I loved football, but I didn't want to continue playing into my thirties. That I really wanted to get into business, and and he just, I remember him saying to me, you know, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, don't try and you know take you know take, take shortcuts. You know, go back and finish your study, um, and just take the time to build the next chapter. And I, you know, I. The reason why I had the career that I had of playing professional f- football for ten years was that I, I I literally started playing soccer when I was five years old. So yeah, I guess um. So even though I, you had a career of ten years, you were playing since you were five. So like exactly twenty five years almost sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. So um, you know, now at thirty two years old, I'm 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 just going to have to I'm I'm you know I'm, I've started to put the reps back in, and so at twenty eight, twenty nine, I made the decision that I wanted to retire. I played a I played a year coming back to Brisbane um, for my local NPL side, Brisbane Olympic, um, and really enjoyed it. Just having a, a different perspective to play play soccer locally. So now that um, you know I'm, I'm well and truly retired and, and put on 20 kilos since finishing, I'm I'm really enjoying just um, working daily and on on building and um, and and taking all those um, characteristics that I had through my professional football career into business. So. Um, yeah, that was really the reason for for finishing early. Going to some quick fire questions. Uh, first of all, they're, they're nothing to do with uh, football, just to uh, steer away from it for a little bit. First of all, Apple or Android? Apple. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's your favorite <laughs> food? I'm um, I'm a barbecue man. Yeah, nice. Okay. Uh, favorite 
What very nice. What's your favorite drink? Whether it's fizzy drink, Powerade, alcohol, wh- whatever it is. What's your favorite drink? Uh, I would go a glass of Shiraz. Yeah, nice. What's your favorite movie of all time? Remember the times. Oh, I've had that answer a few times. Not too many times. Have you? I, I usually okay. get. I usually get. Remember the Titans, uh, Shawshank Redemption, or <laughs> yeah, yeah. or that's about it. Those are the most common ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's been one niche one. I think um, Will Schofield, who played for West Coast Eagles, said Major Pain. Yeah. So yeah, wow. Okay. I mean, like that's a good film as well as a kid. I loved watching that. Uh, what's your favorite music to listen to? Um, I'm a bit of an R&B man, so. Uh... I'm I'm still the the generation of Drake and yeah. and uh, Jay Z and yeah, so I I stick to R and B. Yeah, nice. Um, this isn't a this is tangenting away from the quick fire stuff. Who or what was your inspiration to you know really try and pursue football to the best that you could? I, I was growing up. I actually um, I remember my earliest memories of playing soccer was my my dad gave me a. Uh, well, that, in those days, it was a video of yeah. um, of the Brazilian legend Pele, and yeah. it was just him doing training clip, do training drills, and it was just clips of him just like heading the ball, juggling, doing different tricks. And I remember watching that video religiously every Saturday yeah. before I went out and played. Um, so that was my earliest memories of, of, I guess, having a a mentor or a superstar that kind of drove me to, I was just so in awe of his abilities and his skills. And I just yep. tried to replicate everything that he did in the backyard. But apart from that, I, I never grew up really watching the NSL. I was a, I was a Brisbane did you watch Broncos the man. Point? Yeah. I'm a Broncos fan no, as well. I got Broncos stuff I, up in the background. Yeah. I didn't have cable TV. So, you know, dad was a rugby league man. So we, I just loved the Brisbane Broncos. And, yep. you know, my kicking ability was really, I had two trees in the backyard and, and a rugby league ball. And I'd just try and be Darren Lockyer, actually. Yeah, who, who wouldn't yeah, try and be Darren Lockyer? Yeah, I love that. I just found some sand and, and just tried to, you know, hit it as well as I could with my right foot because he was a left footer yep. um, from every angle of the backyard. And, and that kind of developed from a rugby league ball to a soccer ball. And, you know, watching a few Pele, um, you know, cassettes and, getting out there and, and kicking a football with mates on a Saturday. So, yeah, like I said at, at the start of this podcast, I, uh, as I kind of grew through my earlier, you know, teenage years, uh, I, I just decided that, you know, soccer was the one for me. And once you start to get picked for representative sides, you kind of just stick with it's it. It's kind so. of a no-brainer yeah. to stick through that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. Um, got two final questions for you. First of all, it's uh, what are you doing with yourself these days since retirement? So um, I set up an investment an investment firm while I was playing in Singapore, mm-hmm. and so um, that was the, that was the reason for my move to Singapore. I, I played three years in Malaysia, and I was doing a lot of travel between Malaysia and Singapore. Um, and I'm uh, I'm still working on a lot of those investments that I made back in 2018. Um, we invested in a number of different Singaporean SMEs, so cafe franchise, a PR company, um, and a um, and another social media company. So. Yeah, I'm still I'm still day to day working through that process. Um, I've got a sports advisory business that we do a lot of work. Um, it's still in Asia with some high net worth. Um, and then last year, I've got a I was working with my business partner Casper Tafta on another number of different other businesses and investments. So um, that's what's keeping me busy today. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see what the future holds. I, I hope to to get back into football um, and have some impact more on the on the administration and commercial side rather than rather than coaching. But yep. um, yeah, that's probably the, the next chapter for myself. 
Well, literally that covers my last question, which was what's next for Zach Anderson. So that kind yeah. of wraps it wraps it all perfectly. But um, I guess one sort of final question I've got for you instead of that would be what advice do you have for any youngsters that, you know, would love to try and make it in football? I have a, I have this conversation all the time with, with I guess, the next generation. I, I've, I had in a football academy that I was working. I was doing a little bit of coaching myself. And for me, you know, depending on the age that you're at, it's just about having fun and enjoying it. I guess, you know, at what age does it start to get serious? Well, you know, that can, that can depend, you know, player to player. But for me, you know, up until 12 or 13 years old, it's just about playing as, as many sports as you can, just finding what you enjoy. If soccer is yep. the game that you enjoy, then, uh, you know, it might start to get serious, you know, plus 13, 14. But for me, you know, the, the advice I give parents these days is just to, to make sure that, you know, your child or the people that you're looking up to is just having fun because it does get serious very quickly. And uh, I remember, you know, distinctly having people remind me at a very young age just to keep enjoying football, um, you know, at a professional level because, it, it, you know, by the time you get to 32, 33, uh, unless you're Daniel McBreen, you're, you're playing until you're 45. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 you know, it goes so quickly. So I just, you know, the advice would be just to, to get out and enjoy it because once you're passionate, you're authentic about something, you know, it's so easy to train and, and kick up the football. And, and to, it doesn't to feel like hard. work. It doesn't feel like hard it work. Just, it comes so naturally. So if you love something and you're passionate and you, you know, enjoy going out there and, and working hard, then it's not, really, it's not really working hard. It's just you're kicking the football. It's so, like you're getting yeah. paid to kick a football with mates. Yeah. Exactly right.